Christopher Columbus. We are a people, a nation. We are a people that love God. We are a Christian nation. We are a holy nation. We are people with faults, but also have a God that has forgiven our faults. We are a nation that walks in an anointing that can touch the world for Jesus Christ. We are a praying people. We are the church. The church is a church that walks in godliness, that walks in the ways of God. We are a church that stands for what is right, not just justice. We are a church that walks in, in a understanding and a revelation that we are a new people. God has pictured the United States of America as a new people, one that has its past, but today has a future that has a new name, and it is called the United States of America. God has blessed us, church. He has given us a right to walk in freedom, his freedom. The United States of America is a nation that has allowed the world to see the true rightness of freedom. So I want to stand. I want to, all of us to stand, and I would like for us to pray for our nation. As you saw, July 20th, we were going to have worship prayer. I want to invite every one of you to be there. It's on a Saturday morning. It is vital. It is important. We are going to have an amazing time, prophetic time, of worship and prayer. I encourage you as a church to make this something that is vital. It is so important that you are a part of this new move of God and the move of the Holy Spirit regarding prayer, fasting, and worship. God is calling the church, and I'm prophetically speaking to you. God is calling the church, and the church that abides, listen to this, the church that abides and walks in what God has asked the church to do is a church that will succeed, is a church that will see God's glory, not only in the church together, but in their homes and their businesses and their jobs. So I'm calling you to come on July 20th and be a part of something that God has ordained us to be. Father, I thank you for our nation. Father, our past has been great, and some of our past has not been great. But you have set apart in men and women to found this great nation. And Father, I thank you that through the many prayers of our presidents, of our senators, of the House of Representatives, of our mayors, of our city servants, in Jesus' name, allow their prayers to manifest itself in their leadership, that they would begin to lead us in righteousness and not just justice, that our nation would become a righteous nation, called of God, anointed of the Holy Spirit, to do the work of the kingdom of God. You have sent thousands and thousands of missionaries and evangelists around the world to preach the gospel. We are receiving, as a nation, 
the result of that seed that many are coming to our nation to preach the gospel. We need the gospel preached in our nation, Father. And Lord, allow that that preaching, that teaching to pierce the very heart of every person that walks on our land. And in Jesus' name, as righteousness prevails, Lord, that justice will take place, your justice in our nation. And I thank you, Lord, that that is done in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for our military. I thank you for everyone that serves. I thank you for for the firemen, the police officers, everybody that protects us in our nation. Lord, I thank you for the CIA. I thank you for the FBI. Lord, I proclaim righteousness in those groups, that righteousness will prevail, that the leading of the Holy Spirit will prevail. And Lord, that everything that is not of you will be smitten before our faces. They will fall on the ground in repentance because we are a nation founded under God. We are a Christian nation. And I thank you, Lord, that all this is done because it is your plan. You said that many are the plans of men, but it is the purposes of God that will prevail. And Lord, we stand now amazed in your greatness, and we want to serve you with great faithfulness. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you as you are seated. I also want to uh, thank Christina and Rudy uh, for uh, leading our children's ministry and all of you last week who came and was part of a fabulous time with our children and how God ministered to our children. Well done, well done, well done. Amen. Thank you uh, for the Spanish church that uh, uh, took an offering and raised the monies for the bus, for the games. Thank you for all of you who gave uh, of your time in setting things up, for cleaning up after, even though you were exhausted. And uh, I just, for your faithfulness, I just pray a blessing. What you did is you, you planted your time and investment into children, and what God is going to do is he's going to return that a hundredfold in time and invest into your children. And just take that as a seed and seed faith and realize that that's what God wants us to recognize, that he is pleased with you. Also, we have a a wonderful guest with us today, Pastor Robert Rosales. Uh, He and his wife, Yolanda, they pastor in the Lakeshore Gastonia Church, uh, but they were part of this church for many years and then went out to assist Pastor Gil Dearman, uh, who I called him and, and assigned him at the Lakeshore Church in South Carolina when I was a supervisor. And, uh, and Pastor Robert followed him as a businessman and marketplace, and then God uh, steered his marketplace ministry into a ministry of pastoring a church. And uh, so, uh, Pastor Robert, can you stand and let us welcome you. Amen. 
That was a few years ago, wasn't it, that you went out there? And, uh, but you haven't grown a year older, have you? Not a bit. Not a bit. Amen. That's a good answer. Praise the Lord. Oh, man, I'm so glad that you are here. I just get thrilled. Last night, uh, I had a meeting in my home and had a lot of people in my home and, and uh, just talking and fellowshipping, and I was so pumped, and, and so I didn't get to bed till about 12.30 this morning, but I was praying for you and just really interceding for you, and I just got really excited. I just, I couldn't sleep, you know, for a little bit. I was just excited about just hanging out with you today, and so I have in the Word today, as we conclude the series, The Body of Christ, Discovering God, I have something that I believe is just going to change um, a reality that you know in your life, but it's going to change the way you look at it. It's going to change the way you see yourself. Because remember, we've been studying for 33 and a half years Jesus' life and how that Jesus encountered many people. And we began this series and we talked about all the people he encountered in those 33 and a half years, but we also found out that when we understand how Jesus reacts, because Jesus is God, then we know how God reacts to us. And the thing that we found, if we know who God is, then we know who we are because we're created in the image and the likeness of God. But we also found last week is that Jesus encountered, because he's God, encountered people throughout the Old Testament. And we found, we talked about Abraham and Sarah. We talked about Moses uh, and the burning bush where that was Jesus speaking to him. He was the one that wrestled with Jacob, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in Daniel 3.25, we read this. He said, look, the, the king, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of God. That is the perfect picture that when we came to him, we were bound in situations of our life. We were bound in sin. We were bound in sickness. But when we meet Jesus, what happens is he unbinds us, as he takes us into freedom. And so Jesus also encountered people after his ascension, Jesus, who is God, loved us so much. When we began talking about Saul, who later is called Paul, and we're going to continue in talking about the encounter with Paul. But Jesus, who is God, loved us so much, and he was born and became flesh. He lived with mankind, yet without sin, because he was born of the Holy Spirit and his mother Mary. He fulfilled his promise of paying our debt, the promise that he told Adam and Eve of sin, and was crucified, and he died. Then he went into hell, and he took captivity captive, those were who were in Abraham's bosom. He then raised from the tomb, raised from the grave, and he ascended into heaven. Now Jesus now today sits on the right hand with scars in his hands and his feet, he sits on the right hand of the Father, and he oversees his word by interceding for us, praying for us. So in this praying for us, who is us? We are Jesus' daily delight. 
Every day, Jesus thinks about us. And we need to personalize that because when God, he has this ability, when he thinks about us, he thinks about us also as individuals. You are important. Your life is important. That's why the enemy lies to people and people always blame God for the bad things that go on in their personal walk. And literally what God has done, he has come and he took our sins so that we have freedom and the authority to walk in this newness of life and to be freed up and unbound from the bondages of our past. Matter of fact, we learn that we today do not have a shameful past because it's been forgiven and forgotten. Stop listening to the enemy who tries to remind you of what God has already forgotten. You do not have a shameful past. He gave us the Holy Spirit so we can live in victory. And in all this series, the most intimate part of his obedience is proven by his encounter with Paul is this. Jesus' encounter with Paul proves to us, listen very closely again, Jesus' encounter with Paul proves to us we still can have a personal encounter and or relationship with Jesus the Christ because this encounter was after his ascension. So what Paul has had, we can have today. Acts chapter 9, let's read it again, and then we're going to dive into what I want to show you today. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, believers, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. What we're learning here is there are three things that happen in Paul's encounter, Saul's encounter with Jesus. First of all, last week, Saul received a new name. Let's just touch on that, and I want to expand it a little bit today, and I'm going to give you the two others uh, this morning. You also have a new name when you receive Christ, giving you a new purpose and a hope to live for. That's what we want to remember as we talk here. Remember Revelation chapter 2 verse 17 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. Do you realize that the manna is still there? Amen. Man, it was so good, God didn't get rid of it. He just put it in the heavenly refrigerator. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. You are the called. You have a new name. You have a new identity. You have something very special that is so unique 
and is so intimate to God, he only shares it with you. So when other people point their finger falsely and say things about you, they don't know who you are. God knows who you are. And if you will understand this and allow this revelation to happen, you will know who you are too. And you need to begin to look at this and understand this, that that past that keeps coming up and biting you in the behind, yes, I said that, in the behind, and comes and bites you in the behind, you need to understand that past has no power over you if you understand you have a new name. Now remember, we said that Saul means demanded death. He lived that out. He lived out his name by murdering Christians. Paul means little or small. He referred to himself as the least of the apostles. In other words, what we find is when we become born again and we have a new name, we begin to understand that even in that new name, the power of God that resides in us and the ability we have to accomplish life on this earth, we need to stay humble. We need to look at the things that we've accomplished and thank God for it and say, no, it's really not about me. God, it's about you. But because I'm obedient, I'm able to, to accomplish the very call and name that you have given me, what you have identified me to be. So he referred to himself as the least of the apostles. Matthew 23, verse 11, the kingdom principle. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That your gifting, your anointing, your ability, your power that you have to walk in is not just for you. It's really planned to give you so that you can do it and accomplish it for others. That you can stand in the gap, that you can pray, that you can believe God for your nephews and your nieces to be born again. You have the ability to really accomplish these things. Now, here it is. We not only serve God, this is it. You have a new name. We not only serve God, we serve one another. Seeing others as more important than ourselves. And that's why Paul said, I'm the least of the apostles. And we know that he was one of the greatest. He accomplished the most. He wrote 13 and a half books in the New Testament. Paul now understanding his purpose honored others. Now, the question we ask of ourselves then is this, and I, I want to just further this. What is that new name that you have? Who are you? Why are you on this earth? It is a call and a divine appointment God has given you. Why are you here? Why are you gifted? Why do you think the way you do? Now, let me just say something about that. Why do you think the way you do when you are being led of the Holy Spirit? Why do you have passion for certain things? It's because of that new name. It's because of what God ordained you to be. Why are some of you quiet? Why are some of you boisterous? Why are some of you the way you are? And, well, you know, way back when my mom was this way. Well, I understand that. that that's good. Because you know what parents are supposed to do is, is to pray and ask God to lead you in what you're gifted to do. 
to pray to create an atmosphere where your children can become everything God called them to do, to give an atmosphere where they can hear God and hear that new name and to know what God has called them. And a lot of times, children are running around not knowing their new name, not knowing their purpose in life, and they have, quote, an identity crisis. When you are serving God and you know your new name, you will never have an identity crisis. You will know who you are, and you will know what God called you to do. So Paul's reaction to the new name is, when he took that name in his heart, he became the least, and God made him the greatest. And you know what's really interesting? As you read through Scripture, that when men and women do the same thing Paul did in their hearts, God will make you great in what he's called you to be. Amen. The favor of the Lord is not just to make you look good. The favor of the Lord is for you to recognize God's doing this. And because God's doing this, <laughs> what you have is an ability to touch the person that God placed you by, your coworker, the person that you lead as a boss, your business, whatever you do in life. It's about others. You know, I want what God made me to be. How about you? I want my new name. I want to be able to walk in my new name and to understand that it's to give me a recognition of the person next to me. When I, when I see China, when I see Rita, when I see every one of you, I want to say, what can I say? What can I do to better their life? How can I create an atmosphere around them? How can I teach? How can I bring the Word of God into their lives so that they understand that they are great in the kingdom of God because they know their new name? Father, I thank you for the Word. I thank you, Lord, that from this moment forward, that each one of us will understand who we are and the reality of the power and the recognition of, of what you have planned for us to accomplish is great. And I thank you, Lord, that our hearts are open, our ears are open, and our eyes to see in the spirit realm today. In Jesus' name, amen. Every one of you have that new name. So here's the second thing we learn Paul received in the encounter with Jesus. The second thing is he received a new nature. This is a covenant of God. This is what, in the New Testament, when Jesus came and encountered us now, this new covenant is that we receive not only a new name, but we receive a new nature. So why does God change people's names? The answer is your name represents your nature. And it's the name that was written down. Have you ever thought how many names there are of God? I'm going to name just a few, but there are many. Jehovah Rafi, the Lord who heals you. Jehovah Sitkanu, our righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, he's our peace. 
El Shaddai, God Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah, it's hard to say, Mekodishkin, the Lord who makes you holy. See, and there are many more names, and when you talk about Jesus, you need to understand that there are many names of Jesus. Watch this in Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment, here it is, and justice from that time forward even forever. Watch this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Notice Jesus' zeal to accomplish these names. Bottom line, Jesus are these names, but if Jesus were created in his image and likeness, then we also have a zeal to accomplish our name. We also have a zeal to accomplish what God's called us to do. The struggle is, is that we always look back at our past, and we're going to find out. We're gonna, we always look back at the old man because the old man has not been killed until we make a decision to do something. So the question is, why did God change the names of people? Very simply, again, he changed their nature. Remember, Abram meant father. Abraham meant father of the multitudes. Your name relates to your purpose, what you're called to do. God was saying to Abraham when he made a covenant with Abraham, your purpose is not only to be a father, but a father of multitudes, to be a nation. By the way, Sarai meant princess, and Sarah, Sarah meant princess of the multitude or beautiful princess. You see, what God does is he takes us out of our bondage. He takes us out of all what sin gave us, what rebellion gave us, and he creates something beautiful. So who you are is something beautiful, but there are a lot of Christians today who don't think they're beautiful. There are a lot of Christians today who think because they think back in their old way, and they think that all they are is this person, and praise God, one day I'm going to heaven. Your new name and your new nature is a lot bigger and a lot better and a lot, let me just say it this way, and it is so huge that it takes a lifetime to recognize it. I'm going to say that again. It takes a lifetime to recognize it. Every, each day, you can grow more and more in the beautifulness of what God had created in you. You're not, God said, you're not only going to be a mother to Sarah at that time, she didn't even know she was going to be a mom. She basically had lost hope. She laughed at the very essence of when Abram said what God said to him. She laughed. God named her and said, 
you're not only going to be a mom, but you're going to be a mom of the multitudes. Wow. You know, Jacob meant manipulator or supplanter. Israel, his name changed to Israel, means one who prevails with God. God was saying to Jacob, or Israel, change his name, because I am on your side, you don't have to manipulate again. I will see to it that it happens. I am the one that finishes it. I am the one that makes sure that it takes place. What you need to understand is your new name, your new nature. Live in that and become obedient to what I called you to do. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, I will raise you up to that greatness that I've called you to be. Are you with me, church? Well, let's keep going. Remember Simon. This is amazing. Simon means unstable, and Peter means stable or a rock. Another name change, this is even more amazing. Levi was changed to Matthew. And I want to tell you, this is so cool. Levi means attached. The explanation of that in the story, that's why we talked about you need to get the full picture of a scripture. You need to read scripture before and after. In the story of Levi, Levi was Leah's second son. Remember, Leah, the Bible says, she wasn't loved in the story. The first son she named Reuben, and Reuben means love. She said, maybe my husband will love me now. Her second son she names Levi, Levi means attached. She is saying, maybe my husband will become attached to me now because of Levi. Levi then, because of this focus and this, this curse and this generational stuff that's going on of, of, of marital stuff and all the different things, Levi becomes uh, or is a tax collector and everyone hates him. His family hates him and all reject him. His whole nature is trying to find acceptance his whole life. So Jesus comes along and says, no, we are not going to call you Levi anymore. That's your past. You are someone who's looking for attachment. I'm going to call you Matthew, and Matthew means a gift from God. And you are a gift from God. Matthew, you never have to get acceptance by what you do anymore. Because remember, I'm going to say this again. This is my motto, is God is not as concerned about what you're doing. He's more concerned about what you're becoming. Because, why? Because when you become what God called you to be and what God has, has given you in your nature... Uh, then everything that you do, you will do in righteousness and produce justice through your life. So Matthew, you never have to get acceptance by what you do. Your acceptance is from a gift from God. It's who I made you. Because what I already made you. Oh, man. Oh, man. I need to pause there. Because what God is doing right now, he is recreating because of our revelation of new name, 
and our revelation of our new nature in the covenant of God made by blood. By doing this, he's recreating our culture even in our church. There's no longer a time in your life or mine that we have to have ought against someone. If someone uh, hurts our feelings, we go to them and make it right, not go to them and punch them out. We go to them and make it right. We love them. The Bible even says love your enemy. And we have to get to a place in our life, in a church, that, that is trying to reach a nation, trying to reach a world that is listening to the, to the, the talk and the, the religious doctrine of our world, and we're losing thousands and millions of people to hell because the church is acting just like the world. I'm not talking about valley, but I'm talking about the universal church. We're acting like the world. Even organizations make their decisions on what their goal is in an organization based on what the world says. And we have to allow ourselves and avail ourselves to break away from that, come unbound, and to become unbound and begin to walk in the freedom of what God has said. I've given you a new name, and I'm intimate with you because you are so special to me, and I've given you the, the realization of what that name means, and also I've given you a new nature. You can change because I've changed you. But you have to recognize that. Today we see people roll their eyes when you talk about God. And they have, they've given up on God. They've given up on the things of God. And the reality is because they have been deceived because they don't know their new name. They are listening to their God, their blogs, and their news and whatever to tell them how they're supposed to think. And I want to tell you, church, you can get caught up in the same thing. You see, church family, being born again means you have a new nature. Your life and call is something beautiful. God can take wherever you've been in your past and remove it and forget it and create something beautiful, but you have to coincide with him. You coexist with him. You co-work with God. Remember in this series what we talked about? In Acts chapter 8, verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. That's Saul's old nature. After the Damascus Road encounter, Saul received his new name. So now, what I'm about to say, we need to really understand this. I'm digging real deep here now. Once Saul, Paul, as we know him, received his new nature, did Saul, Paul, did he do anything wrong after that? Sure he did. Again, that's why 1 John 1.9 is there. Sometimes we just mess up. Amen. You don't need to uh, rededicate your dedicator. <laughs> you just need to go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. So this is how Paul, new name, new nature revelation, describes it. Book of Romans chapter 7. For the good that I will do, I do not do. But the evil I will not do, that I practice. 
Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? (laughs) He answers himself. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What is he saying here? We're speaking of a new nature. In the encounter with Jesus, and because this is after the ascension to heaven, this is the encounter you have. You have a new name, you have a new nature, becoming born again. So Paul gave us the revelation that every, look at this, every one of us have an old man and a new man. We must put off the old man and reckon the old man dead and then put on the new man. Romans 6.11 says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then he begs all of us to do this in Romans 12. We finished with this scripture last week. Verse 1. I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He's talking about the old man. You present your body, you present your flesh as a living sacrifice. See, if you don't understand you have an old man and a new man, you will struggle in your life. Put your old man on the altar because he is a living sacrifice. Now, have you ever wondered why he called it a living sacrifice? Let me explain it to you. A living sacrifice can crawl. If you put something dead on an altar of fire, it ain't going to move. Why? It's dead. But if you put something living on an altar of fire, it's going to crawl. It's going to try to get off that. Now, here's the analogy. When life gets hard, let me say it another way, when life gets hot, the old man gets off the altar and tells you how to think, how to act, and how to feel. When things get tough, the old man is not going to handle the, the heat. The old man is going to say, now this is how I know you've read in Scripture. I know that you go to church, and I know you worship. I know you play an instrument on the worship team. But when it gets heavy, when it gets hot, when it gets hard in life, your old man crawls off that altar and says, listen, that's not working. Let me tell you how to think. Let me tell you how to act, and let me tell you how to feel. Now, what is think, act, and feel? It's describing your soul. Your soul is made up of three things, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So, 
when you have a discussion with your wife, I mean, when you have an argument with your wife, your old man wants to tell you how to think, how to act, and how to feel of what they said to you. Let me just tell you something, and I'll explain it. You cannot cast out the flesh, and you cannot disciple a demon. Christians today need this. We need a deliverance of spiritual attacks with healing of demonic entities. Discipleship, we need discipleship to overwhelm the flesh with the washing of the word of God. What is the washing of the word of God is a renewing of the mind to your new name and your new purpose or nature. We need to really get ourselves, when we're in the Word of God, when you're studying the Word of God, what you're trying to do is you're trying to disciple your flesh. People say, how can I change? I keep doing, just like Paul said, how can I change? I keep doing what I don't want to do. Because we're trying to disciple a bondage that maybe we're having, that we're living in. We're trying to cast out the flesh through the word of God, we read the word, saying, Jesus' name, I bind that, I cast you out, all the different things. You disciple your flesh. You train your flesh to sit down, shut up, and be quiet. Amen. When your flesh, your old man, crawls off the heat, when you're having struggle at work, and you want to just Say what you want to say. Well, I'm just saying this because this is how I feel. Yeah, this is the old man crawling off the altar and telling you how to feel. Because Scripture doesn't give us a right to say what we want to say. And that's what a lot of Christians want to do. They just want to, they, this is what I believe, and this is what, and we need to stop and become the men and women of God that God has called us to be. And in that, and when we start taking hold of the vision of the church and, the, and casting of the vision of the church, then what we will find is men and women will accomplish great things inside the church and outside the church. 80% of you are in the marketplace. The marketplace needs to be redeemed. And the only one that can do it is you. But in order to do that, we need to take a hold of spiritual battles. Remember, see in the spiritual so we can hear in the spiritual and know. We need to cast out spiritual things that are coming against us. And we need to disciple the flesh. We need to get to the place where we understand that the flesh has no place of making my decision, of causing me to feel what he wants me to feel. So we must understand the enemy wants to come against you and the old man wants to tell you how to think, act, and feel. Now, now I can say this. Think about who you really are. Enemy comes in and says, I know who you are. And he begins to explain to you your past. He begins to tell you you know, you think that you're going to be doing that. There's no way you can do that. I know that you, th you think that God gave you a dream. I know that, you know, young people, that God gave you vision. No, that's not from God. 
That's that's from your past. Remember, the past, you made decisions already. You are bound to this. The rest of your life, this is the way your finances will be. The rest of your life, this is the way your health will be. I want to tell you that you think that all this, if you tithe, then the windows of heaven are open. I heard yesterday morning at the marketplace ministry that when God opened up heaven, they didn't close it. That's a wild moment there. How many of you are trying to open up heaven? It's already open. You begin to know who you are, your new name, and you begin to walk in your nature, trusting God, and heaven is already open for you to receive all that he had promised. This is how you handle this. Think about who you were and think about who you are becoming. See, when the enemy comes to us, most of your arguments in your head is, is a spiritual argument. Listen very closely, church. Most of your arguments, most of the time when you're sitting there and you're fighting insecurity and you're fighting all these different things, it is your flesh, it is your old man telling you, you know, you're dumb, you're stupid, you can't do that, you have no ability to handle that. You go to work and everybody else is smarter than you. And you're listening to that. What you have to do is say, you know what? I was this, but now I have a new name. The struggle is we don't even know what that name is. And in that new name, we don't even know the nature of that new name. Scripture says, agree with your adversary quickly. What do you mean by that, Scripture? Agree with your adversary? I mean, you're right. I am dumb. You're right. I can't do it. No. When the enemy reminds you of your past, say, you're exactly right. That's what the old Gary is, but that's not who the new Gary is. You agree with him. You know, you're talking about stuff that's already been forgotten. That's old stuff. It's done. It's no longer me. You know who I am? And you begin to profess what God called you. You begin to profess your name, who you are. Church, I know I'm giving you, I was praying to the, to the Lord last night, and I was singing excited about it. I said, God, man, this is, this is the stuff that will absolutely transform people's thinking. It will just absolutely do that. And I know that the enemy is there, and he's going to tell them, man, what is that guy talking about? And some of you are thinking about the pizza you're going to have for lunch. I hope they drop anchovies on your pizza. <laughs> so get your, some of you say, I like anchovies. But I want you to grab a hold of this. You need to understand this. This is what is going on in your life. When you are sitting there and feeling like you're all alone, that's your old man telling you you're all alone. Because in your past, that's what you felt all the time. Some of you think that, you know, I go to work, I don't know if I can do this. I, I'm not sure. This is so much, I can't understand this. No, yes, you can. You could do it. If God gave you that job, which he does, if God promotes you, he will give you the ability to understand it and do it. Why? Because you finally fix the old man? No, you can't fix the old man. Jesus didn't fix it. 
He gave you a new man, a new woman. I am a new creation in Christ. Paul got a new name. Paul got a new nature. So here's the third thing. Paul received a new, here it is, I've said it three times today, a new purpose. Acts 26, 14 and 15, here's Paul's testimony, five years before he dies. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goat. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, verse 16 and 17 is not recorded in Acts 9. Okay, I want you to understand this. Verse 16 and 17, it's recorded in Acts 26. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. It's the same story, but it wasn't recorded in Acts 9. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Right then, he said, I will deliver you from both. In the reality, I have called you, given you a new name, a new nature. Now here's your purpose. I'm asking you to take the gospel to the Gentiles. See, purpose was sent to the Gentiles. That's why he was given a Gentile name, Paul. Verse 18, watch this. To open their eyes, spiritual seeing, in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus said it to him, but he didn't share this till later in life. You see, why is that? You are receiving a new name when you're born again, and only you know it. And that's what God did. He gave him that new name, Paul. Because he gave him that new name, written on there was his purpose. And his purpose was to go to the Gentiles. So for five years, he began preaching, this is what I am to do. Not only you have a new name, not only you have a new nature, but you have a purpose in Christ and only knowing that purpose will bring you fulfillment on this earth. People spend hours and days fasting and praying with wrong purpose. You are going to hear in a greater way from this church regarding prayer, regarding worship, regarding fasting. But what we're asking you to do 
is to know your new name, to know the new nature, and know the question is, why do I do this when I don't want to do it? Is because your old man's crawling off the altar, trying to take you back to the old way. The Bible calls it the new way. And when we understand that the purposes of God will prevail, many are the plans of men, but it's the purposes of God that will prevail. When you are fasting and praying and worshiping and honoring God and honoring one another, worshiping God and blessing God and, and honoring your brother and sister and blessing them and, and letting them be more important to you than, than, than you, kingdom reality, God will always raise you up in due time. He will bless you so huge. He will bless you so big that you will absolutely be overwhelmed by what God does. A new name, a new nature, and a new purpose. By the way, Paul is the only New Testament writer that referred to the church as the body of Christ. You study in Scripture, you will not see anybody else writing about the body of Christ. The reason I believe he spoke of this is on the Damascus road, Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Saul, Paul said, well, who are you? And the answer, he says, I'm Jesus. So this is the way we would think. This is the way probably Saul thought. Why would he say I'm persecuting him when I am persecuting believers? Why would Jesus come to me on the Damascus Road, who are you, I'm Jesus, and say, why are you persecuting me? He says, I've been persecuting other people, the church. Hmm, well... I think the old thing happened to Paul. Light bulb. Believers are the body of Christ. You, the body of Christ, you go out and heal the sick. I struggle with the fact, how come the church doesn't believe in healing? Matter of fact, I have had peers of mine throughout the years back away from me because I believe in healing. You are the body of Christ. Why don't you go raise the dead? Why don't you have the faith to go raise the dead? Because Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? But he was persecuting believers. You're a believer. So what Jesus did is the very purposes of the body of Christ is to do just what Jesus did. And he said, and because we're so many more people, we will do even greater things than he did. Because you're the body of Christ. That is the purpose that you have. Everybody here has a purpose 
of healing the sick and raising the dead and leading people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Every one of you had that ability. Every one of you have that anointing. Every one of you have that in your DNA. It's who you are. If they took spiritual blood out of you, the first thing they would read was healthy salvations, powerful healings, and ability to raise the dead. God. That's the blood that flows in you. When we recognize encountering Jesus, we see God. We're created in his image and his likeness. Because of that, we can go out and do the same thing. Why is that? Because in this covenant made by blood, you need to go to OSL and learn about that covenant. You have a new name. You have a new nature. Today, you have purpose in this life. And become your new name and then live it out with zeal and passion. Live this out. Well, I've never done that before, Pastor. It's because you didn't know it. You didn't know who you were. You've been listening to the old men. And you jumped from the frying pan to the fire. Because we're listening to the old man. We're listening to what the flesh wants you to do. And when you rise up and begin to realize how amazing God did things for you, the amazing things that God did for you, you're going to walk in such power and anointing. You know, I, I talk to people and, and they talk about their feeling about themselves and, you know, and how they feel about what they can do and, you know, I was raised this way and this would happen to me in my past. And, you know, there's such evil that has happened to some of us in our past. None of that is greater than the power of God to change you. To let your new nature just absolutely explode out of you. Yeah, the old man, I was telling uh, someone, I think it was Ryan, I was telling someone and I was saying, you know, periodically I have to battle heights. That's why I stand here. I'm not afraid of that. I have to battle heights because my mom was deathly afraid of heights. To the point where, where one time we went to this place and they had this elevator outside. And when you stepped inside the building from the elevator, uh, there was a crack about like that. She looked down and saw it and she literally froze. And my brother and I had to grab her by the elbows and pick her up and carry her into the building and get her something to drink and let her calm down. That's how afraid she was. I saw that all my life with her. So periodically, um, we went to, I think it was a Grand Canyon, and we were hiking, and I love to hike, and I don't mind around cliffs and stuff like that. But then 
Pastor Dale and Pastor Ryan and a bunch of the guys said, hey, let's go on over there. I said, okay, you guys have fun. And they're jumping and they're, you know, if they would have tripped, it would have been 1,000 feet fall, but, you know, no big deal. And uh, I just told Terry, I said, they are absolutely nuts, and I'm not going over there. Amen. Okay? Life can lead you into such fear that you never do anything God called you to. And we have to get to that place of the very things that we fear when God says go, do it with God's zeal. Do it until it's done. Do it until it's done. And I just wanted to yell at all the guys, would you guys get over here? Stop being so stupid. But I kept quiet till later. Guys, you guys are nuts. I want to be nuts for God. I want to go after with every fiber of my being the things that God's called me to. Again, you got to know what God called you to. That's why you're in the Word. That's why you're journaling. That's why you go to discipleship. That's why you come early and you worship with the worship team. Because God opens. He just opens it up just amazingly. I got to be quiet. I don't want to end this series because I've, I've just loved seeing your reaction to the love of God towards you. Let's all stand. Two things I want to share with you, and then I want to come back to what we've talked about. First of all, this Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we will be closing our office. And our staff and leaders have worked very hard for months, literally months, in a lot of different things. 